Hey, Zero Block 30 listeners, you can find us every Tuesday and Friday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. Pride members can also listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Listen up, we've got some tea and you all are going to be obsessed. We spoke with the Abercrombie team and they told us that they were gonna launch a wedding shop. Well, we lost it because as you know, we are both getting ready to get Abercrombie and hitched. The whole vibe of Abercrombie these days is clothes you'd wear for a perfect long weekend and all their customers were like, hey, we spend long weekends traveling for weddings these days and then Abercrombie was like, we love that. Let us just give you everything you could ever possibly want and love to wear for all things wedding. So they did. It has everything. Tons of dresses, jumpsuits, pants, swimsuits, pajamas, pantsuits, and all perfectly curated for different events, bachelorettes, brunches, showers, ceremonies as a guest and ceremonies as a bride, reception, and even honeymoon. It is incredible. Check out the Abercrombie Wedding Shop on Abercrombie.com. Go shop it now. Today's episode of Zero Block 30 is brought to you by our friends at MyBlue. Head over to MyBlue.com to check out their MyBlue and get the $1 trial offer on MyBlue kit. Check out MyBlue.com for full details because sometimes it's hard to find a satisfying vape that's simple and convenient. Blue who introduced vaping to the world is now introducing MyBlue. MyBlue gives you satisfaction with none of the hassle. Just click and go pods. With MyBlue, it's easy to use the one-click liquid pods and you can switch between flavors in seconds a range of flavors to choose from as well like cherry natural tobacco and many many others just 20 minutes to charge and you're set all damn day for a limited time blue is getting letting you try their my blue starter kit for just one buck but hurry this won't last long terms and conditions apply go to myblue.com today to learn more let's go we had vitor on before maybe we can get favreau later on down the line and for people who are listening who are a little bit conservative we didn't even get libtardy with it no No. it was good i honestly i'm just fascinated i don't care what presidency you were in if you were there you were in the white house you were working i just want to know all about what goes on every day and it doesn't even matter what your your policies are I just want to know what it's like to work for a president to be behind the scenes like that. So that's why it's so fascinating to have these guys on. I want to know what it's like to have a number one selling book on the that New York Times. That could be list. pretty cool, too. Also be, a good feeling. Yeah. For sure. Everybody hates flying, but whenever you're flying, going by like Hudson Books in the airport, mm-hmm. and you see your book is there, that's got to be a pretty good feeling. That's a power move. That's why I got a slip cover, book slip cover with my face on it <laughs> that I just put on books at the airport. Like, oh, this whole thing? Yeah. Like, oh, there's my book. <laughs> oh, dropped yeah. it again. Oh. No, and I think his, his book is uh, interesting. And certainly, I'm going to read it and talking about how the political landscape has changed now with uh, social media and going from President Obama, who used it. So effectively that now into potentially one of the reasons President Trump was able to get elected. So I think it'll be a fascinating read. Yeah. It definitely will. Big news this week with I think everybody in the military was kind of captivated by the Thai Cave Rescue Boys. Right. Yes. Right. That thing is going to make such a great movie. As a matter of fact, I actually even read there were two producers from some sort of production house that were actually there at the base camp observing, taking in all the emotion because I guess in their head, if this thing turned out well, which as we now know it did, thank God all of the the boys and their coach were rescued. Absolutely. This has Disney movie written all over it. So they were already there. So I would say inside of three years, we're going to get this movie and it's going to be fantastic. That's insane to me that they had producers there. Right. They had... I well, I think happened. these are just two guys that just went on spec, and they just saw they they saw the magnitude and how the world was captivated. You got to remember now, like 
with so much that's going on in our world these days, it's rare to get a story that captivates the entire world. Yeah. As opposed to just like the United States. And Dr. Harris, have you read his story? No. Dr. Harris is going to get his dick sucked for the rest of his life. Why? What did he do? Because he is the Australian doctor who went into the caves to figure out how to do this because he's like an expert cave diver. He's an anesthesiologist. He was actually in Thailand just on vacation. Just happened Randomly. To be there. Wow. Yeah. So when the Wild Boars football team, that was the boys' team's name, yeah. whenever they got there, after being missing for the week, the anesthesiologist abandoned his holiday in Thailand and volunteered to help. He assessed the boys' health and stayed with them for three days, and it's believed that he's one of the rescuers out of the cave. He like designed the program of how they were going to actually do it, and it was just happenstance that he was there. That's that's crazy, yeah. but I just think that speaks so much to humanity and all the good that is still in this world. We see so much negative, but you yeah. do see that when people are in really dire situations that other humans are willing to do whatever it takes to help them. See, I imagine this Australian dude sitting at a bar. And like outside of Melbourne, can we just agree Australians are cool? Yeah, by so and, by I, large, and I that's probably why. I'm sitting at a bar, and he has a nice, strong Australian beer, mm-hmm. and somebody it happens to come up at the two other people that are at the end of the bar. It's an old rickety bar with obviously there's been condensation marks that were left on it, and he's sitting there, and somebody mentions he's like, I can't believe that that Thai boy case was ten years ago when the guy got him out of the caves. And he goes, long drag of the cigarette, the wild boars. I haven't heard that name in years. <laughs> and then he just starts talking about yeah. it. I think no, that's, that's a, fascinating. And in my mind, he's wearing a very Australian, like, yeah. he's wearing, like an alligator hat. What's um, crazy, too, like when I first heard this story, I was like, ah, they're trapped in a cave. Like, why don't they just like go in and get them? And this was before I knew... The complexity of the cave that it we're in. It looks like in. a colon. It looks like right. the only way you're going to get them out is <laughs> yeah. put those motherfuckers on the magic school bus. Right, yes. And they're going to yes. go through it. Yes. Yeah. And Elon Musk tried to make one. Haha, ha, sort of. He did yeah. like a half hearted long. I, I'm fucking out on Elon Musk. I've been out. on out on. I, I've, I've been with Trent for yeah. a while now. I, everything the guy does is not successful. And so how great can you be? For attention and marketing, he took that stupid submarine thing over there and then. The, like that's his main tweet and then you read all the ones underneath he's like and sign up now for our new blah blah yeah, here's a contest yeah. here's, and I'm like are you using this to market he shit is. right now you dumb <laughs> um, and really quick we'd be remiss not to mention the mm. retired Thai seal Saman Kunan who lost his life on July 6th he was overtaken by a flash flood uh, after dropping oxygen off for the boys and I like looked at his Facebook page and he just looked like the nicest mm-hmm. fucking guy of all time. Mm-hmm. He loved cycling and he was on the North Face adventure team. That's he was cool. just uh really active with his family and everything. So um in that movie he's yeah. going to be he's definitely going to get some good praise. shine. I, I mean it's but, just crazy to think about too the amount of time it took to just go in and get them and then turn around. I mean it was 11 hour round trip. Oh shit. Yeah. I yeah, because that. the longest one they had to be underwater for three hours. Oh right. my gosh. Three I didn't know hours. That. And yeah. they put them in these little suits. Those kids must be terrified. Some of them didn't even know how to swim. I, I heard mean, they gave them sedatives. Do oh that's good. Yeah. Well, I, that's definitely helpful, but I can't begin to fathom what it would feel like. I don't know how to swim and now you're gonna ask me to scuba dive like an expert. With somebody from a different country that yeah, doesn't speak right. the same language as you. Right. Yeah. I mean, the, the level of fear had to have just been off the charts. And I don't think people realize how far swimming two and a half miles is. No, because no. when would anyone ever swim two That's and a half the miles? That's English Channel. Right, right. I think off the top, I just made up that 
location, but yeah. that's yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> According I'm to us, you're sure right. That's it. that's it. According to ZVT. No, <laughs> no, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, even if you swim distance above water, no one really, I guess, I don't know, I've never scuba dove. Is that the pronoun- pr- correct way to say? Scuba dude. Scuba dude. <laughs> uh, but to think to go oh, that yeah. long. What? The English Channel is actually 20 miles. So. Well, well same, so that's basically. Same. But two Whatever. miles a long what? If you're going two, you're going 20. It's yeah. all the same. Jesus. Yeah. yeah. To, but just to go that far underwater. And then really the, the complexity of the plan and what was great too was these people, as I mentioned, coming from all over the world, these different militaries that got involved, expert cave divers. I don't know how one becomes an expert cave diver, but people were coming from all over the world to help out when they didn't have to. Nobody was getting phone call, you know, getting a phone call frantically saying, Hey, chaps, you're our only hope. This was just people volunteering and saying, I know how to do this. I need to go help. So it really speaks to how, how great humans can still really be. One of the more surprising things. Have you ever done scuba diving? No, I haven't. I would like to. You have, Kate? I have, yes. What What's your experience with, with scuba diving? Well, uh, it was in Monterey Bay, California, and I was supposed to take the full. You're supposed to get some like serious lessons. Right, yeah. Well, it was like a it was like a Tuesday morning, and the guy was like, oh, I'll give you show you the ropes for like an hour tops maybe. He like showed me the ropes, and then we just walked right in. And we were down, like, farther than you're supposed to, too. I think we were down, like, 70 feet or something like that's that. That's crazy. Yeah, and I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. I was, like, petting starfish, and, like, <laughs> I was having a... Wasn't a it, too, if you come up too fast, there's something with your oxygen in your brain, and you can die? The bends. The bends, yeah. Yes. Right. Well, don't so, tell the story. The br- <laughs> did you know the first known cases of that were when they were building the Brooklyn Bridge? I did not know that. Yeah. Interesting. That, the pressure from the, uh, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I... I say that to chaps every time we pass it when we're traveling in the city. Interesting, interesting. But yeah, it's it's no joke. It's have, have you? Yeah, I've I've done a little bit when I when I lived in Okinawa. But I mean, I was mainly talking about the like the seal because the the doctor has this huge beard. But you both know from gas masks, right? That's the reason why when people ask like why can't military people wear beards? Like mm-hmm. that's a, one of the big answer because you don't get as good of a seal on your gas mask. Yeah. That's right. like the tactical <laughs> answer. But if you need a really good shave before you put your gas mask on, I would go with Dollar Shave Club. Dollar Shave Club, that's Dollar Shave Club. It delivers everything that you need to look, feel, and smell your best. You name it, shampoo, conditioner, body wash, toothpaste, hair gel, even a wipe that will leave your tushy feeling clean and tingly. Mm. I'm a big fan of their amber and lavender comb, and I actually use it. I have so much of it at my house because I, like every time we read it, they send some, and I love it mm. because I can use it so liberally. Shout oh, out yeah. Dan Pfeiffer for me using liberal in this <laughs> podcast. Too. He'll be on in just a second. But I use it so liberally that I use it as my bubble bath. Because it's lavender and it smells absolutely fantastic. And you know, whenever you use something that's not bubble bath, usually the bubbles go away. Yeah, the bubbles stay so long here that makes me think the more bubbles you have, the better soap. I think a hundred percent. It might not be true, but that's my no. The bubble ratio is vital. Yep. So if you want to get Dollar Shave Club products. For just five bucks, you can get their daily essential starter kit. It comes with body cleansers, one wipe Charlie's, their amazing butt wipes, their world famous shave butter, and their best razor, the six six blade executive. Keep those blades coming for just a few bucks a month, and add in a shampoo and toothpaste. Jesus, everything's in this thing. You just put this in your little ditty bag, and you're ready to you're go set. on. Ready to rock and roll, yeah. For yeah. a limited time, only use the promo code Chaps at your checkout to get five dollars off your second month of the club. That's code Chaps at DollarShaveClub.com and get five dollars for a second month. 
Join the club today. Here's the interview that we did with Dan. Well, now our next guest, you know him all over the place. He doesn't really even need an introduction at this point. He's in like mm -hmm. one of the best podcasts in the world in Pod Save America. We have Dan Pfeiffer. Dan, whenever you die, are you going to put podcaster or presidential aide on your tombstone? I feel like I don't. The person who dies doesn't get to decide what goes on their tombstone. But I am becoming growingly concerned. It's going to say podcaster and not <laughs> Obama aide or something like that. Yeah, it's like I was telling uh, my wife, she listens to Pod Save all the time. I was like, Dan's coming on. She's like, What are you going to talk about? Just like how awesome Pod Save America is. And I was like, I don't think I'm going to do that on my podcast. No, <laughs> <laughs> stay away from that. <laughs> I, I will. I will tell you that. We spent a lot of time coming up with the title for Positive America. Like some of the, it was it was a we we came very close to coming up with a terrible title. And Zero Block Thirty is one of the all time great podcast titles. So well, we were very I, envious. Wow. In, in all honesty, I am upset that whenever you guys launched Pod Save America, I think it was, I looked at our name and I was like, why in the fuck is it not? Zero pod thirty. Like yeah. why? Yeah, yeah, why yeah. Is it blocked? We're stuck now. We're screwed. Yeah. So many times like and ZPT rolls off the tongue just as well. Same. Yeah. yeah fair, but, fair enough. That is a solid point. But Dan, I guess one of the main reasons uh, that prompted me to ask Chaps to reach out to you is you got a new book out uh called Yes We Still Can Politics in the Age of Obama, Twitter, and Trump. What's that all about? So I, I did write a book. This is a fact. Uh, it is out. It is available now. And Number one on the New York Times bestseller list, too, by the way. Congrats. We did. We hit number one. That that really fooled a lot of people, myself included. <laughs> um, I, it, is, it is a story of how Obama dealt with the forces that helped create a, a world where Donald Trump could get elected. Changes in media, how the Republican Party changed, sort of Fox News conspiracy theories. And I wrote it for two reasons. Uh, one, to try to, I guess three reasons, one be to help process my own emotions about what happened in 2016. Mm -hmm. Two, to try to explain, to, to try to look at how we dealt with those forces and see if you can extract some lessons for Democrats coming forward. And also just to sort of tell people about what life in politics is like and try to tell them it's not as horrendous as it may seem if you just, spend, if you just scroll through Twitter all day long and try to encourage the people to make that a career choice so my entire basis of everything that i know on politics is either from veep or it's from the west wing <laughs> who would yep. who would you be in those stories well i would technically have been on the west, the west wing i would have been toby because he was the communications director and, yeah are you although, a curmudgeon too <laughs> I, I, I have been described as I think I'm less curmudgeon now. In the White House, I've been told I was very curmudgeon -y. That's not my recollection, but <laughs> people in the know seem to suggest that I was, could be a grouchy piece of shit. And so, <laughs> well, I did get a chance to meet uh, Richard Schiff, who played Toby in real life, after I became a communications director. For some reason, Joe Biden, who is a wonderful human being, but I'm also from Delaware, so he's been my senator my whole life, and he's very proud of all the Delawareans that have made it into the White House. And so... He brought Richard Schiff over to my little tiny office to introduce me. And so Biden brings him over and he's like, Dan, this is Richard Schiff. You're the communications director. He was the communications director. And Richard Schiff, who's, who by all accounts is a very nice guy, looked at me like I was insane. <laughs> he was like, why am I here? <laughs> he was like, I was just a communications director on a television show five years prior. I don't know why I'm having this conversation. So with that show and with Toby and that's your job, we see like that 
when you're the communications director, you basically have to become a subject matter expert in basically everything. How did you get up to speed so quickly on such a broad array of topics? Well, it, it's mainly you have to listen. Like, when you work in the White House, you have access to like, all the people who work there, at least in our White House. It may be different now. But we're super smart subject matter experts, and you listen to them. And I was certainly not an expert, but you learn enough to be conversant, right, to sort of know mm-hmm. where the pitfalls are if you're talking publicly about it to know what the key points are. Um, and so I just benefited from reading a lot and listening a lot and, you know, paying attention in meetings. But like, I, it was very clear when I would have a conversation with a subject matter expert that I was not the subject matter expert. I was just playing one on television. That being said, if you were sitting down with the president at NATO, like general Kelly was this week, what was your, what would be your expectations for breakfast? I, I actually, agree with general kelly on this you never get a chance to eat breakfast in the morning on these trips i'm sure most of your listeners are going to be very surprised to hear you say that you agree with general kelly about anything i've never i do not i do not actually this is the first time actually we we very much differ on immigration policy and basically everything else but you you're always hungry on the trips no everything is centered around the president eating as it should and never around the staff eating and so you kind of live off granola bars and if you if you went there expecting an omelet and bacon and you got pastry and cheese, I would have been upset too. I don't think that's why. He was probably more exasperated at Trump trying to blow up 50 years of the uh, European-American alliance uh, than the presence of pastries. But I understand why the pastries would have been annoying in this situation. And speaking of NATO, I feel like most people now on Twitter, I think this is a different time for social media communication, period. But anytime anything comes yeah. up, like an issue like NATO – all of a sudden, everybody knows exactly what NATO is, exactly what they're supposed to do, what what percentage of gross domestic product they should be spending on NATO. Can you kind of explain what the fuck NATO even does? Yeah, well, NATO is an alliance between uh, Western, originally Western European countries and the United States that came out of World War II. It was sort of the check against the Soviet Union. It has expanded over time after the Soviet Union broke up. Um, And it's basically a defense alliance where we agree that we will defend each other. And it is a real threat to Russia, which is why it's super weird, but maybe not that weird, that the United States is becoming the ones to threaten the entire alliance. And this whole idea about who spends what in their defense budget is interesting, but not that important because it is about – like it's real. the question will be if you – if you need, if there were to be some sort of military conflict, will we all pitch in together? Will the United States help defend Western Europe? Would Western Europe or, and other NATO members help defend the United States? And that is ultimately the question. And if you break up that alliance, then that removes one of the most important checks against Russian aggression in the former Soviet republics and Eastern Europe. And so it's not a great thing to try to get rid of, and it really doesn't affect the U.S.'s budget in any real way. The, the numbers that Trump are talking about is a tiny fraction of what we are already spending on our military. Mm-hmm. And you talk about you know Trump blowing things up, and so often the origin of that explosion is his presence on Twitter. And you mentioned earlier that how the Obama administration and your 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 team kind of set that in motion, so to speak. I mean. Was was President Obama yeah. conscious of the, the social media presence back when he was running for president, or w- was that something yeah. that someone sat him down and said, "Hey, we need to 
you know, shift gears from tr- traditional political approach and start to focus some of our efforts on social media to reach younger generation. Yeah. Well, Obama was sort of the first president because because he had basically been just a normal citizen mm-hmm. two years before running for president. He was the first person for our first president who would sort of come of age to the Internet. Right. Like right. he read the newspaper online. He had an email account. He had a Blackberry, which seems weird now, but it was cool back then. Mm-hmm. And and, to, and that's how he communicated with his friends and family, his high school friends, his law school friends, just like just like everyone else did in circa 2007, 2008. Mm-hmm. He understood intuitively how media was changing. And he also understood intuitively that our entire uh, chance for success in 2008 presidential campaign was we had to reach younger voters and that younger voters uh, weren't turning on the six o'clock news or picking up an actual Deadwood newspaper every day. And that if we were going to reach the people we needed to reach, we had to do things differently. We were in the infancy of social media back then. I mean, Facebook was something that was primarily just for college kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, Twitter barely existed at that point. We hardly used it in the campaign. But he was he was very cognizant, had a lot of attention to the changes over time, and was really always pushing us, and myself in particular as his communications director, to think about ways in which we could try to get ahead of the curve of that change. And I don't know that we anticipated that a president would use – you know, his, like people say, like, well, you guys started. You were the first president to use Twitter, so it's your fault that Donald Trump is destroying the world via Twitter. It's like, no, Barack Obama had a Twitter account for years, and at no mm-hmm. point did he use it to spark a global crisis. The problem may not be Twitter; it may be the tweeter in this situation. Right. Yeah, we always say. I I always tell people that, like, I get really nice mentions most of the time on Twitter. I think that you're yeah. a reflection of your mentions a lot of times. Um, but yeah. I hope that's not my case. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so I wanted to talk to you about the election in 2020. Um, I know that you're focused yeah. a lot and you guys are doing so much to get out to vote and for the midterm elections, but there's not a yeah. whole lot going on for 2020 yet on the Democratic side for president. Who are some of the people that you kind of have your eye on that you would be like, I kind of hope they get into the race because they bring this or they bring that? Yeah. So let me give a caveat to that first. Two caveats. One, which is we have to win 2018 first, and so people should stay focused on that. But you asked me about 2020, and you very nicely invited me on your very appropriately and cool name podcast. So <laughs> I will I will delve down that path. The second caveat is uh, people two years out have no idea what the public wants. So in 2006, uh, two years before Barack Obama won the presidency, uh, there was a political book out called The Way to Win by Mark Halperin. Uh, who's a little infamous now, but he was a big-time political journalist at the time, mm-hmm. and John Harris, who's the editor of Politico, and their book was called The Way to Win. And it was all about how presidential candidates could win in 2008. And if you were to scan that whole book, and it came out in 2006, scan that whole book, there are two words you will not find. Barack Obama. and Obama. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so, like, I'm very, uh, I'm very hesitant to, to think I know what the public wants now, but and you could probably do the same thing about any political book in 2014, and you wouldn't be able to find Donald Trump and take him seriously that he right. could exactly. actually win. Exactly. Like you just don't know two years out what the, what people really want. It's usually the opposite of what the DC conventional wisdom is. I do think we have, like the Democrats are going to have maybe 30 people run. Yeah. And I mean, it's going to be the debates are going to be crazy. It's going to mm. be like they're going to have to like block out a Saturday on CNN and just do <laughs> a running set of like. 
seven people's panels over and over again. And I actually think that's probably good. And I think we're going to sort of – because the Democrats, as evidenced by the current situation we're in, we have a lot of things to figure out in terms of like strategy, policy, message, the future of the party, who are our leaders. And like having a big debate about that is, I think, pretty good. Look, I think there's an, a wide array of interesting candidates like that fit every uh, potential model for a president, right? So you have sort of the older, well-known stalwarts like my friend Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders. Mm-hmm. You have these younger, you know, sort of younger up-and-coming senators like Kamala Harris and Cory Booker and Kirsten Gillibrand and you have Elizabeth Warren, who is sort of filling a populist lane. You have sort of these outside-of-the-box potential candidates like uh, Eric Garcetti, the mayor of L.A., you know, you have, you know, I was thinking he might run uh, our friend Jason Kander, who was a former secretary of state of Missouri, who ran for Senate there, mm. but he's now going to run for mayor of Kansas City. And, and I just don't know, you know, maybe Deval Patrick, the former governor of Massachusetts, who's a good friend of Barack Obama's, uh, might run. And we're just going to, we don't really know what the public wants. We have all these different people. And you just never know how good or bad someone is at running for president until they actually do it. Well, it's something that, like running for... Running for Senate or running for governor is just so different than running for president because running for president is really about you as a person, right? Mm-hmm. David Axelrod likes to say it's an MRI of the soul. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think we, we've seen now with, with President Trump, he's kind of flipped the playbook on its head. Do you think the two-party yeah. system as we've seen it and known it and the advent and how popular social media is now, d- does the two-party system continue as status quo or does it change drastically in the next 10, 20 years? I think on the presidential level, it's very hard for it to change dramatically because of just how electoral votes are allocated. Okay, right? we the whole the whole system is set up around two party system, and if you don't get to 270 votes, then the House of Representatives decides mm-hmm. who is president of the United States. And so, if you have you put three people in the race, this is always always the question around whether someone like Mike Bloomberg ran as an independent, and if he, let's say Mike Bloomberg had run in 2016, and he got just enough votes to not come close to winning, but to keep Trump and Hillary under 270, then uh, Paul Ryan would have gotten to pick the president, mm-hmm. um, which seems not not ideal. Yeah. Um, <laughs> then, uh, and, but I do think the power of the two parties of the party establishments themselves to dictate who runs, who wins, is dramatically reduced to almost zero, and you see that from that our last two presidents are Barack Obama and Donald Trump. And because of social media, you can get known without, without, you know, without depending entirely on money. Because of the Internet, you can raise money without depending entirely on, as Bernie Sanders proved, uh, relying on a large existing donor network. The, you know, the entire Republican Party establishment at least pretended to want to defeat Donald Trump and were, never came close to doing it. So I think the part, the power of the party structures in the media and stakeholders to determine to like winnow the choices for voters, that has been diminished entirely because of the internet. You can be, you can become elected president without of the traditional definitions of electability or the traditional infrastructure you used to have. And were it not for the internet, Barack Obama and Donald Trump would not have won. So 
I guess one out of two is not that bad. Yeah. All you need is that killer hashtag, I think. (laughs) You come up with the perfect hashtag, you're in. Yeah. If you're a hashtag, a meme, you're great. Oh, yeah, memes too. If you can combine the two, forget it. You're you're sold. If you're ever sitting around with, like, high-level people in the Democratic Party and they ask ask you what Chaps wants, just say that you – I wouldn't mind a Joaquin Castro, Tammy Duckworth ticket. I think that would be very good. Like, I should have have mentioned – I should have mentioned Castro. Tammy Duckworth is great. Castro, who I, uh, Julian Castro, the the brother I worked with in the Obama administration, he was a superstar. Uh, and so we got some great people. We actually have a lot of really great leaders, and we just don't yet know what the voters are looking for in a leader. Right. I'm. I mean, I'm fascinated by by how politics now are affected by social media. You, you see all the time people say they have folks on their staff that that check it every day to see what the president is tweeting about on the other side of that you see so many people that have such vitriol uh, against the president every day they have multiple tweets speaking disparagingly about him do you think that is is a positive or a negative to, to constantly go out there every day and try to knock him down is that having any sort of effect or are you just you know pissing in the wind uh, you're probably pissing in the wind okay uh, I, look, I think Twitter is where the political conversation happens. It's where Trump makes his news. It's reporter where reporters find their analysis. It's where Democrats respond to him. So it is a necessary evil of politics this day. And Trump is better at Twitter than the Democratic candidates, and we have to become better at expressing our authentic selves and not sounding like sort of hackish political bots um, in our tweets, which that tends to happen a lot, mm-hmm. sort of like a press release condensed down to 280 characters. But it like, is it a good thing for the country? Probably not. No, right? And and I don't I don't understand the people on either side of the aisle who choose to spend their time just because I get a lot of these people from the right just responding to every tweet by telling, uh, you know, either Donald Trump or a, or you know, or a you know a liberal voice or conservative voice just to screw off every time they. Uh, we response to every tweet, and it's always funny. I just in like, my in my defense, like, it helps me relieve a lot of stress. <laughs> that's, you know, well, that, that's like if it is, if it is cathartic for people individually. Sure, I I I'm fine with that. I, whether Phew. I would like, he used to say, Barack Obama used to say, when people would boo Republicans at his rally, he'd be like Mitt Romney, would be like boo, and he would say, don't boo, vote. Yeah, yeah. right, yeah. right. So, like, right. Message, people would be like. Don't troll vote, right? But if you want to troll and vote, I'm cool with that too. No matter what, we can all agree, no matter what side of your aisle on, the people who every single time Trump tweets, the blue checkers who go in and be like, sir, you must resign. Those people are the fucking worst. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you think that people think it's like the next time they, they were just like two tweets away from being – Okay, that makes sense. I'll resign. Yeah, because one of the Carson brothers or whatever, like because the Carson brothers said, I will finally resign. I hereby resign the presidency of the United States. All right, Chloe K. I just want you to leave me alone on Twitter, please. Yeah, Yeah, that's, that's probably not a cool use of time. All right, Dan, thanks so much for joining us, man. We appreciate it. I it's very rare that I get jealous that I don't get to do certain things with like the Barstool crew, but going to the they're all going to the home run derby right. next mm-hmm. week. Yeah, and I am beyond jealous that we don't do. That. I mean, Kate and I are going to San Francisco, so that'll be fun, and we'll do our thing out there, and it'll, it'll be a good time. We're gonna actually go try to check out the rugby sevens, which will be great. Yep, 
and the but the home run derby barstool radio is going to be out there the whole crew i've always wanted to go to a home run derby yeah that'd be a fun thing to see in person for yeah, sure i think that you know you have these events that are better in person i think baseball is a million times better on um the in person than it is like at home sitting on your couch watching it's much it. more of an experience watching, watching, at the, watching at the ballpark these, yeah watching these guys hit 550 foot home runs mm-hmm. would be incredible man cuz the other thing too when you go to a game, just a random game, you're watching, you know, certain guys come up to bat, maybe there could be a home run. You're pretty much just waiting to see home runs in right. this, which is even better because you know it's going to happen. And it's not just like home, it's monster right. blast. Right, yeah. Like outside of the stadium, like we're in San Francisco, they had the home run derby there in 2014. Yeah. And they're hitting it into the river. Like yep, in the co- it, McCovey's right? Cove, yeah. Yeah, so they're hitting it behind that. If you want to go check it out, use SeatGeek. It saves you time, money by searching multiple ticket sites to compare prices and find amazing deals and to get the most bang for your buck. Meet us out there at the ballpark. You can go to these things, too, and you can see Dave, Dan, Big Cat, or, and all the fellas. Pat McAfee is going to be out there, too. SeatGeek grades every single ticket based on value to help you immediately identify the best seats that fit your budget. Plus, every purchase is fully guaranteed, so you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. Make SeatGeek your go-to app for finding the best deals on every single type of tickets or you can go hang out with me and kate at the rugby sevens that would be dope too mm-hmm. best of all our listeners get ten dollars off their first SeatGeek purchase just download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code chaps today that's promo code chaps for ten dollars off your first SeatGeek purchase cons your beloved army is switching up the game on their fitness test Big people changes. are none too pleased about it and, no. and that's on social media yeah i would love to be a fly on the wall and like hear Privates and young oh sergeants talking about what oh, they yeah. have to do. Yeah, now. I can only imagine. And it's older. It's like master sergeants that bitch that when you've been in for over twenty mm-hmm. years and your body's shit. Yeah, and you have to change up what you've been doing. Well, yeah, I mean they've been doing the same task for four decades. It's it's pretty simple. What but, is it? It's it's push ups, sit ups, and then a two mile run. As many push ups as you can do in two minutes. What's the perfect score? Like what? Sh- three hundred is technically a uh, hundred push ups. No, 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 no. Perfect <laughs> score. I'd ha- honestly, Kate I don't was like. Damn, Marines oh, are bitches. Wow. <laughs> there's a, there's a, a hundred point scale, and a three hundred would be maxing out on each event. Okay. I, I don't remember what the actual numbers are. And okay, they would they're different for me now at my age versus what they were when I was in the military. Right, but I did always get a three hundred. No big deal. But they are. Rolling out a a gender neutral, age neutral PT test, and uh, let me just read you guys the, I see, the events. I already, I like that aspect. Yes, that, I think that's good because you know what we talk about, you know, getting women into combat and, and women in roles, and we've all said, I don't care what's between your legs if you can do the job, that's okay. Yeah. So yeah, this will go a long way to help. To be that. like, oh, I'm a superior PFT. You're like, bitch, no, no fuck, you're not. Right. Yeah, like, you got to run slower than me. Right. 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 So. The new test would be a deadlift between 120 and 420 pounds, depending on the individual soldier. You must do three reps in five minutes. Uh, easy enough. Then you get two minutes rest. That's super easy. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, also, too, you know, chaps, you've, you've seen the inside of a weight room. If you're not someone who wants to be in a weight room and you've never seen the inside, that could be a little difficult. I mean, the, the amount of time you have to do three I reps I mean, to is... only do 120, you must be four foot eight and like right. 68 pounds. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, like, so if you're a baby, that's what you do. Yeah. The two-minute rest. Then you have a standing power throw. You'll be required to toss a 10-pound... Oh, this is all in a row. Oh, yeah, yeah. This okay. is all... And now... That makes it better. It, it, it makes it a little better, but it, previous... Uh, how the test is run now, 
there's not really a time limit. It, and it would be you do the, the sit-ups, uh, push-up sit-ups portion, then kind of take like an indeterminate amount of time to break before you do the run. All these events must be hit in succession in under 50 minutes. I like that. Yeah. Standing power throw, you were required to toss a 10-pound medicine ball overhead and backward. You'll mm-hmm. have three minutes to make one practice throw and two for a grade, and then the longest distance is recorded. Okay. Mm-hmm. Two-minute rest. Hand release push-ups. This is interesting. You lower your chest to the floor and lift your hands off the ground between each rep. You'll be required to do the most reps in three minutes. That's cool. Yeah. It's different because it's, you know, it's, it's simulating pushing yourself off the ground as opposed to just trying to get in the motion of doing a push-up normally. Mm-hmm. Two-minute rest. Sprint, drag, carry. In four minutes, you will go 25 meters out and 25 meters back five times. Each iteration will include a different activity. Sprint, drag a sled, run a lateral shuffle, carry two 40-pound kettlebells, then sprint again. All right. I wish you guys would have kept it a little bit more military yeah. and used ammo cans for <laughs> yeah. the yeah. kettlebells. Sorry, sorry. Two-minute rest. Leg tuck. You will be required to hang from a pull-up bar and with your body parallel, then pull knees to your elbows for as many reps as possible in two minutes. Give me so many farts. So many farts. That's, so many farts. That's there. the sit-ups time you want to do. Yeah, like people coming in hungover oh, yeah. and they're like, oh, God. <laughs> then you get a five-minute rest, and then we kept the two-mile run on a track or paved level road with 20-minute maximum. Oh, so you do all this and then run two miles? Yes. That's good. So, all right, a a few things. Do I think these events give you a better indication of who is actually in shape and ready for combat? Yes. They even say that it will predict with 80% accuracy whether a soldier will be effective in combat as opposed to 40% with the current APFD, the physical fitness test. I I like that, and I'm going to go on the record here. I am going to the first time. I'm going to say this is harder than the Marine Corps combat test. Yeah, I mean, these are definitely exercises that if you don't do regularly, you're not going to be able to do them well on a test. We do that shit, and we do the, uh, I think it's 40 pounds. It's been a long time since I did it, but the overhead ammo can lift so we do that but whenever we run we do are you guys going to be what is what's the uniform in the day for this a normal pt uniform okay see i wish you would have gone with acus there yeah because then it would be like legit yeah because we do our combat fitness test we do a lot of those same elements um different but a lot of the same elements the same type of functional fitness right which is the main point of what you're doing mm-hmm. but we do an 800 meter run sure and it's like an all-out sprint you right right do it as fast as you can yeah which i like too because yeah. what are the odds that you're actually going to run two miles in a combat area mm-hmm. right. not much no i agree I, I do like the aspect like you said it definitely will give you a better indication you run two miles in boots and utes buddy that's tough Ooh, that's <laughs> fucking <laughs> that's that's Ooh. annoying because i saw 10 minutes and like our 20 minute maximum like if you're running Two miles in 20 yeah. minutes with boots and utes after doing that other mm-hmm. stuff. Because if you've never carried, do you have to carry your buddy at all? No. Oh, okay. The only carrying is that so, the, well, the sprint I, drag I take carry. it back. I take my Army compliment back. I go back to the Marine Corps <laughs> one is more difficult. I just, looking at this, and I saw a lot of comments on Twitter from people who are now retired from the Army or who are older and higher ranking in the Army, and they're like, well, there goes my back. Uh, well, for like the standing power throw or the deadlift. or the, They're like, right. and th- other people are saying too, so many people, sure, a deadlift is not that hard. But so many people do it wrong. Oh, my so gosh, yes. They're going to have to be really careful with making sure people know what the hell they're doing. Because- right. Well, so a few of the other reasons that people think this is a horrible idea, as it is right now, 
you could basically go anywhere and do the APFD. You, you don't really need much to do push-ups, sit-ups, yeah. and run two miles. Yeah. yeah. You are going to need a ton of equipment because as I've seen it, they had a certain, not a straight barbell, but um, those- oh, the actual rack. Yes. No, no, not an actual rack. No, the deadlift rack. I mean, like the the one that's like a square. And yes, you stand yeah, in the you stand it. in the middle of it. Yes. So, but you are going to need to provide millions of dollars across the army uh, worth of equipment, and you are going to have to have designated areas to do these tests. Their counter to that is, we are going to save so much money from people getting injured who are not in shape right now, who are only being tested to be in shape with the current APFT. That money is going to be offset yeah. by the money we save sending them to, you know, get a profile for a bad back or uh, a foot issue or, or something. So I, I get what they're saying there. I just think it's going to be a real pain in the ass to get and maintain equipment. And I think that's been the biggest gripe I've seen. Well, if the Army's good at one thing, it's, it's blowing money on stuff like oh, that. Absolutely. So it's like kind of Definitely. just par for the course. And Definitely. Now's a good time to invest invest in drag sled companies gang yeah and I'm, I'm sure they're gonna have to have people who come in are who are fitness specialists to teach people how to do these mm-hmm. and if they're looking for people i would recommend the good folks at ZipRecruiter because ZipRecruiter is the smartest way to hire ZipRecruiter sends over your job to over a hundred different of the web's leading sites and job boards but they don't stop there with their powerful matching technology ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invites them to apply for your job as applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. With results like that, it's no wonder that ZipRecruiter is the highest rated hiring site in America. And right now, my listeners can get ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash zero. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash zero. ZipRecruiter.com slash Z-E-R-O. ZipRecruiter is the smartest way to hire. Um, we wanted to talk a little bit about one of our listeners and, uh, that's been around the pod for a while. He had a ZBT platoon member who passed away this week. Oh, it's uh, Gina. No, yeah. Not a female or a he, a, a she. Uh, so. That's what I said. You oh. said he. Well. A female listener. Female oh, listener. Yeah. 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 Um, but she reached out and said, if you chaps and cons wouldn't mind, my baby cousin Sarah, who was in the Navy, was killed yesterday while conducting a training exercise out at sea. If you guys wouldn't mind maybe mentioning her on an episode of the podcast, I've been listening for a long time. And I asked if there was anything else that she would like us to say, and she said just that her fiancé Dave was also deployed at the same time as well. He's also in the Navy. He was on a a separate ship, and he was flying home in the morning. And uh, I just, my heart just breaks. And I I believe she's from Bucks County, which is one Mm -hmm. over from the county I grew up in. And it's always extra hard when it's somebody from the the area and you Mm -hmm. know like a similar kind of life that they lived and where they've been. Uh, And she was only 23 years old. Yeah, just starting out in her career. Yeah, and she was an ensign. So those of you who don't know ensign, that's like the very beginning stages of your Navy career. Yeah, second lieutenant in the other branches, yeah. Just getting started. Unfortunate. So she, just a quick note on her as well, she graduated from Virginia Tech in 2017. um, So obviously a very smart hardworking person and uh the so many people online i saw um because i just did a little research and it just looks like she was just an amazing person so uh gina we're thinking of you and your family and we will definitely be keeping her in our in our thoughts so thank you for reaching out and and letting us know and we'll, we'll definitely be thinking of you so if everybody could send good thoughts to that family 
No doubt about it. Mm-hmm. Any save rounds, alibis? I got a few. Okay. One other point on the the, the, the oh, new God. test. <laughs> I don't think here we go. It should be and chaps. I, I you should agree with me with this. I doubt it. <laughs> it should not be the responsibility of the army as a whole to make sure that soldiers are prepared for combat. It should be the leader's responsibility to make sure that they are doing the physical things necessary to make sure that they are ready I, for I a go, combat environment. I'll go one step further. I believe that that's the that is the responsibility for E sevens and below. Yeah. Any any any. And, but I think anybody, especially in a leadership position, to yeah. ensure your it's soldiers small, are ready. Yeah, fitness on fitness is the responsibility of the small unit leader. Yes, I agree. Yeah. I agree. So I, I think, I mean, we'll see how this I works for the army. You, but yeah, yeah, <laughs> gotcha. Um, don't worry, because I think I'm going to say something based on what I saw the other day. You're not going to agree with. Okay. Uh, but um, Kate, uh, are you are you fresh out of boot camp? No, I'm oh. not. Cons. Why? What the hell are you doing? Oh. Waiting oh. in line for a free Slurpee like you have no money in your bank account and can't get a Slurpee any day of the week. It was Seven Eleven day. I get that, and believe me, free <laughs> is me. I get it. Listen, I don't. I'm not opposed to getting things for free. That's great, but I think you're past the point in your life where you need to wait in line for something that's free. How long? How long did you wait? It was like maybe two minutes tops, and then they let you see, walk right out. See, I think that is okay. Okay, if you're, if you're, but. I was close. We were at Nathan's Hot Dogs yesterday, mm-hmm. first time that we had been to, or I had been to Coney, Coney Island. I was close to leaving. I don't wait for shit. No. Right. I And I think it's because I'm a dad. Yeah. So if I go to a restaurant and there's a 10-minute wait, I act like they just shot me in the face. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, how dare you? And I felt dumb, too, because there <laughs> was other- I, I saw other Barstool employees in the back of that 7-Eleven, so I kind of caught up to them. I was like, hey, here for the Slurpee? And they're like, uh, no, we're getting sodas. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I felt like such a douche. <laughs> I felt very, but my pina colada was delicious. I'm sure, but you got to go Coke. I think Coke is the, the goat Slurpee flavor. You're closer. Yeah. I think cherry Coke. Okay, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Cherry Coke at the movies with a nice popcorn is all-timer. Yeah. Uh, on a road trip recently, a 7-Eleven further out in like Western PA had a chili lime Slurpee that was to mm. die for. Really? Yeah, it was so hmm. good. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, I just expect you not to wait in lines too long. You know why I waited in line? Why? It was free. You know what else is free? <laughs> what? United what? States of America, cons. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So, how about you? <laughs> Checkmate, atheist. <laughs> you know, checkmate. Yeah. Um, speaking of United States of America, my last thing. Did you guys, I, I'm pretty sure you did, you saw the News about uh, Sasha Baron Cohen tricking mm-hmm. Sarah yeah. Palin. What, yeah. what did you What did you guys think about that? Um, I think that. To- and for for those who don't know, he 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 tricked her. Sasha Baron Cohen, comedian, filmmaker, he tricked Sarah Palin into an interview for his Showtime series by pretending to be a wounded veteran in a wheelchair. So, chaps, your thoughts? It takes nearly an act of God to make liberals like myself feel sympathetic towards Sarah Palin. Cohen is such an asshole that he managed to do it. Yeah. Like when I'm like, fuck, here I am, side with Sarah Palin. I didn't think I was going to wake up at any point this week and that was going to happen. But Cohen being such a dick, I don't care about the part that he acted like a disabled veteran. Like comedy is comedy is comedy. But there's like get a new stick, dude. Like yeah. do something different. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I, I just It's just poor taste. Yeah. I felt the same way. And if it's true about them taking them to the wrong airport, I don't know if that was just a mix-up or whatever, but that was shitty, too. Um, and I just think, again— and the girl's 16. Like, yeah, the daughter's like, 16. If it's just Palin, I might feel a little bit different. 
a 16-year-old is a child. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, he also, I, I also feel like before I can make a full judgment on whatever, I feel like I need to see it. And the only clip that's been released so far is him dressed up as somebody else getting Dick Cheney to sign his waterboarding Ever kit. since Dick Cheney yeah. shot that dude in the face, he's had no yeah, he's kinda, fucks to give. No, he's <laughs> completely out of fucks to give. But he also, too, he got, uh, supposedly, he has also tricked Bernie Sanders, Ted Koppel, yeah. um, people on the left. So I, I need to see it to understand it, but I still think it's just a tired, it just feels mean to me. I know I sound like, like, little saying that, but like, it just feels mean. It doesn't mm. seem that clever anymore. It's been done. Yeah. Like, and it... I don't think it helps. Maybe you are trying to get a point across or whatever. It, to me, that doesn't do it. I just, yeah, just not a fan. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a tired stick. I don't have, I don't take issue with him tricking people. Uh, I think by now, I think he's a big enough name and well-known enough that you're an idiot That's if you do allow point. yourself to get tricked yes. and, and duped by him. Absolutely. What I took umbrage with was him, I don't, if he had just posed as a veteran, that's one thing. I did not like that he posed as a disabled veteran, and he went so far as to be in a wheelchair. I thought that was an extremely poor taste. But I know, how, I, but that's how that's his brand of comedy. Yeah, going, but no, but but I mean, when he I was get bored, that that's his, I, you know, I get it, yeah. I get it, I get his brand of comedy. But I think that's the line he shouldn't gone over because people are very sympathetic to veterans as a whole, and then to go further and say you're disabled in a wheelchair, I think that is minimizing. The veterans, and I know you guys know veterans who are disabled now, you know, physically. It just was not in good taste, and that that part annoyed me. I didn't like that because I I I immediately thought of my friends who are in wheelchairs dealing with that on on an everyday basis, mm -hmm. and I didn't think that was right of him to do. At so. the same time, I think you're absolutely right that there probably are disabled veterans who are upset. But I follow disabled veterans on Twitter who mm -hmm. were like. Um, DC Riley, he lost both of his legs, uh, and he does like all sorts of cool sports and stuff now on the weekend that I mm -hmm. follow with like this spike. But he says, while I'm sure this will be another round of manufactured right wing outrage about disrespecting the troops, I think it's hilarious. I just wish Cohen would have let me know. I could have given him some pointers on how to fake being a disabled vet, or at least, <laughs> or at least loaned him a wheelchair. Yeah. So I think that's like, too. You're right. There's probably absolutely people who are rightfully so upset about it, especially if you're disabled. But on the other end too, it's like there's so many different. And like, I'm not going to speak on behalf of disabled yeah, yeah, yeah. veterans. It was yeah. just like to me that was like that's how I you felt. Yeah, I, yeah, and I was that's completely valid. Like how yeah. it makes you feel. Like yeah. whenever you see it, you feel like you're like motherfucker. I know people who are in this yeah. situation. It's hundred percent. Don't talk about that. Yeah. yeah, I think it definitely. I didn't lose sleep over it, but you know, it just did. He could have done it differently. I thought. Yeah, I agree. I mean, that's nice it. to hear that you know there are veterans who are disabled who are not put off by it. So, but I, mean, I bet that's you there good. absolutely are. Yeah, right. they probably are. Uh -huh. Yeah, they are. It just depends on where, and it that honestly might go week to week. I mean, yeah. yep. how I feel about different topics can change week to week. Like, sure. yeah. sometimes I'm like, ah, who gives a fuck? And then other times I'm like, I am trig chats. Like, yeah. I get upset. I really, I mean, I, let me reiterate, I mean, Sarah Palin, I appreciate her service to the country in, in every capacity that she's done it, but at this point, I you know, I think she's kind of fading into oblivion and to remain relevant, she's maybe stirring up some Jumping controversy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's on her to, to not get well, duped. I mean, when Russia's in your back door, you gotta. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta. That, that, that will go down as an all time fantastic Saturday Night Live skit with Tina Fey. Yeah. yeah. I can see Russia from my house. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. All right. Sound the retreat.